0: Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark.
1: And I'm Anton Anderson.
0: And this is Sky is Black, future-facing conversations with experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs of African descent.
1: Across the entire African diaspora.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so so what's going on? Captain Kirk is in space as we speak.
1: He came back, and actually, one of the first things he said, mm-hmm. Sky is Black. That's right was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And now you're staring into blackness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they actually have a Star Trek exhibit that is out right now, which... Skirball
1: Cultural Center, which, here which in Los I, Angeles.
0: Which I absolutely love, the Skirball Cultural Center. The Star Trek Exploring New Worlds exhibit is in Los Angeles from October until february 2022 so if you are in los angeles for the holidays or for new years or for the rose bowl or the rose parade or for the super bowl and you are into technology and into star trek definitely check out the star trek exploring new worlds exhibit at the skirball cultural center
1: having always been a show that has been about our highest and best future. You know, it was a show where the first interracial kiss on national television.
0: Captain Kirk, going for it. <laughs> we, are, we are not playing right
1: now. It's a little chilly here on the tech deck. It is chilly on the <laughs> you No,
0: know,
1: we're, we're in Southern California. We're weather whims. And it might be maybe 70, 68, something like that. Which at, means- the,
0: at the lowest.
1: Well, the lowest and that means I had to go get my fleece out. <laughs> I got my, I'm wearing my fleece, had to go get my fleece out from the Tupperware where the cold weather clothes live normally. And that's only for a minute. We're only going to be cold for like just a minute, just enough to, you know, to get, have everyone be forewarned that, you know, you know winter is coming. Winter is coming. And because over, you know, in a couple days it's going to be back to 80. Beautiful day. And, but it's, but it's a little chilly here. And so, of course, I've got, you know, with, that means that not only is it soup season, so I've, like, had to dig up my soup recipes and all that sort of stuff. And you can learn more about
0: a great Haitian soup on the Pan-African Food Festival podcast. Did,
1: did you see that lead-in, though, with the soup? That
0: was spectacular.
1: Always giving you that lead-in for the, That's right. with the food. So I got my soup, I'm gonna dig up my soup recipes, I got my, my fleece out of the Tupperware, and also it means warm beverage time. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I went up to I wanna give a quick shout out to Unincorporated Coffee. They are locally local roasting coffee, and I got myself an Americano, which, you know, all the coffee snobs out there would be like, Oh, that's just an espresso with water.
0: But delicious.
1: It's delicious. And the great thing is, is that well, the barista there, Darth, he knows me. He knows to keep my What up, Darth? He knows to keep my ratios right. He keeps the ratio of water to espresso just right. So even if I need, like, extra shots, whatever, you know, long pour, whatever it is, he makes sure that the ratio is right. I take the coffee, black, sky is black, and it's just delicious. And and what do you have over there?
0: From Leche. Cafe de Leche. Cafe de Leche. We have a Mexi Mocha.
1: A Mexi Mocha.
0: A Mexi Mocha. And you were telling me too that Cafe de Leche also has orchata.
1: Yes, an espresso con, con an espresso con orchata.
0: That sounds delicious. It Must is have so it.
1: good. I mean, I actually get that iced. I get that iced also with an extra shot because I got small children, so caffeine just runs through my veins. That's right. And their their orchata con espresso is so good. It's just it's delicious. Do it's, they
0: have orchata con carne too?
1: Well, <laughs> that that's like a side dish of okay. Chateau Grin Carne. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole different deal. That's, that's a meal unto itself.
0: Yes, it is. Well, the Apple Coding Academy, their very first, just opened in Detroit. And we will put some information in the show notes about that. But... Um, In terms of their press statement, they say the Academy, which is Apple's first in the U.S., will help prepare its students for jobs in the thriving iOS app economy. In addition to the fundamentals of coding, Academy participants will learn design, marketing, project management, and more, with an emphasis on inclusivity and making a positive impact in their communities. So this is in partnership with Michigan State University. I actually have roots in Michigan. Go Kalamazoo. And so I think this is great.
1: And that's on top of the the stuff that Apple's already done. I'll admit, I'm an Apple fan. As am Uh, I. But they've, you know, maybe about a year ago, they're teaming up with some of the HBCUs to help bring coding opportunities to communities across the US. And this is a manifestation of that. Yes. You know, they've had these, I think it was like 10 regional coding centers they would set up and really expressing a commitment to to racial equity and justice and removing barriers you know in communities of color you know this whole concept that we've talked about before of, of digital redlining and how do you erase that how do you remove that how do you ease that digital divide in terms of how we get all, all of us get to the future yes. you, you can't have redlining you can't no, have you, you can't have those kinds of barriers and and frankly once again dear listener why do you care about this if you're not black because well. That is, if, if if we come forward, everyone benefits.
0: One planet, we're all in it together.
1: And the best thing is, is that you know the pundits will say, "Oh, it's a zero sum game, and there's not enough for any everybody." But False. There was a great, I can't. There was a great cartoon about it. Actually, a funny cartoon talking about what happened if uh, if everyone sort of jumped all at once, and the. The sidebar is that if you took the entire human population and put them like, you know, elbow to elbow, the entire human population would, would fit in Rhode Island. So it's, so, so there's plenty of space. And obviously we want to have space for all the other creatures and all the other people that, all, all the other, um, beings that we, Co and share this planet with that we co inhabit the planet with, but but all the humans could all fit, you know, footprint wise uh, on, on, on Rhode Island, so there's plenty of, space. plenty of space, There's plenty of resources. We are getting ever better at shepherding and managing the resources of this planet that we've been blessed with, amen. Uh, and so. So this whole idea of it being a zero-sum pie is a false narrative. Always has And happens. so, you know, so why, dear reader, do you care about what's happening in the black community? You, you care about because, especially if you're just being, even if you're being jingoistic, you know, rah rah rah, merica. To have thirteen percent not be efficient, to not be effective, you're t- you're slowing down all of America. Uh, and so it's exciting that Apple is doing the, these, these efforts and, and, and really trying to br- break that digital divide and expand out the opportunities out in, in the HBCUs. And uh, Apple's got this great, you know, everyone can code and everyone can create curriculum. And if
0: you are interested in being connected to that program, you can go to developeracademy.msu.edu. Now, speaking of iOS apps, last time we were talking about Nike, we were talking about sneaker heads, we were talking about art versus commerce, Nike stocks. Buy the stock, get the the dividend. But there is a new app called TradeBlock, and you can go to TradeBlock.us, and it is a black-owned iOS app, the sneaker trading platform that provides an easy and secure way to use your kicks as currency.
1: Sneaker coins? Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm... <laughs> Sneaker coins. Okay. I'll, sure. Why not?
0: Want to find more information about it? Tradeblock.us. Very interesting.
1: Very interesting.
0: We've been talking about Google here and there. Tradeblock is now backed by Google or Startup's Black Founders Fund got to give credit where credit is due so
1: you know what i i think that google and all the big tech companies they're full of smart people they're full of smart people who who see where scattered about a few of them here and there there's a few smart people and of course i'm kidding Uh, No, they're full of smart people and smart, of smart people. N- not only smart engineers and, and creators, but also smart business people. Mm-hmm. And they're savvy enough to see where there are pools of talent that have not been tapped into and where there are pools of cus- c- customers or potential customers that have not been tapped into. Yes. And I think that being able to go to those markets, to be able to go in, a, in an authentic way to those markets is another way that they're going to expand the growth because otherwise you can't have limited, you can't have, you know, all the companies, especially the publicly traded ones are ones where, you know, their shareholders are expecting, you know, year over year, quarter over quarter growth and they get beat up for Which it. Which
0: is often unrealistic and driving so many bad negative de- things yeah, that ba- are happening. A lot of
1: bad decisions in the world. are based on quarterly report, you know, trying to don't
0: even get me started. That's, on a that. whole, that's
1: a whole different thing. But the thing is, except that's the reality. I mean, the, it's, it's it's almost playing into a, a human shortcoming, is that is that short-term thinking. But dividends, dividends, dividends. But get them. Get yes, the dividends. No, but, no, but, get the dividends. Yes. But but here's the thing. With that, can't you can't have that quarter over quarter, year over year. You can't have continuous growth in the same in the same market, in the same, you know, the same pond. You can't just keep taking the fish out of the same pond. You gotta expand. And so being able to go to these other markets to, in my opinion, going back to why, dear listener, do you should you care? Is it expands the market? If you expand the market, then there's more opportunity for the growth, and everyone wins.
0: So again, is it a win-win for everyone, or is it an extraction, an exploitation, a looting of a community?
1: But that's where, but that's where I applaud companies like Apple. And Google, where they're where they're investing in the HBCUs, where they're investing in you know on premise, they're on the ground in Africa and African countries, and I mean to me that's investing in the brain power that's there, and and so I think that hopefully the people who are you know participating in those things are are smart enough as participants, are savvy enough as participants to not be extracted, uh, not to be ground up, even though that's something I think all of us need to make sure we're mindful of. Yes, piece. But the thing is, is that I think that there's – I the fact that they're investing in educational institutions in particular I think creates an opportunity for a longer, more durable legacy because then you are essentially teaching the teachers. And so then the people who participate in these programs, even if they stop them after a couple of years, my hope, my wish is – is that they that the people who had participated in them would then mentor those who come after and 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 provide that that generational legacy. And we and we've we've seen it where, you know, where even even when the programs are are changed or or maybe eliminated, you know, people who participated in the affirmative action programs and and went to these Ivy League schools and became a doctor, well then, huh. Funny enough, they're kids are suddenly exposed, and they're in, they're in that space. And what do you know? Wow, their kids are doctors. As
0: long as it doesn't come at the expense of Meharry Medical College, which until recently graduated the most African-American doctors in the country, or at the expense of Howard University Medical School, which now currently graduates the most African-American doctors. So to me, it's not an either or. It's a both and.
1: Yes, both and. Both and.
0: Now, we've also been talking lately about artificial intelligence did you see 60 minutes this week no i did not okay we're going to put a link in the show notes to see the interview and the discussion that they had about artificial intelligence and where it is right now just in terms of the how far the technology has come in terms of creating avatars that are one thousand percent realistic digital versions of people that do not exist but are totally believable you know so we are on we are on a slippery slope the likes of which this planet has never seen
1: actually it's really funny there's actually at least one or two black supermodels that are completely digital have you heard about this I will. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, and I can't remember their name because I wasn't expecting us to talk about this today. But there's a at least one or two, um, and what's interesting is that one of the black supermodels, I mean, and gets sponsorships and everything, completely digital, so complete avatar. That is amazing,
0: and, and not surprising considering where the technology is now.
1: And perhaps surprising, and perhaps not surprising, if I allow myself to be cynical a little bit, created by a white man, and the interesting thing is that i mean and there's been some controversy about that about you know should he have been the one to create this very like a deep like we were talking about cough earlier you know this it, her skin tone was the deep rich color of my of my coffee this morning and and so you know is that appropriate for Forget the gender thing. I mean, there's a whole gender conversation of saying, you know, should a, a cisgendered man create this avatar of a woman and be, quote, controlling almost like puppeteer style because the avatar is not alive? Right. You know, what's that say in terms of, you know, gender roles? But then for, for on top of that, for it to have been a non-black creator of that, Um, And to, and to what does that, what does that mean? I mean, there's a whole conversation there, but, you know, talking about the avatar, and by the way, I'll say it for you, Bernard Tinman, call us. Yes, yes. Call us. But, but having, but having that, you know, be out there and be realistic and the way in which these all things can all be rendered, you know, to where you wouldn't know. You if you uh, we'll post it in the show notes. When you look at the 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 beautiful, the beautiful you would not image, know. you would not know. I mean all the, I mean close ups of skin and you can see like the little goosebumps and the hair follicles. It's 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 amazing.
0: It is amazing, exciting and scary at the same time.
1: And and I have mixed feelings about it. Well, I I'm continuing to ponder. It. I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up.
0: It's the slipperiest of slippery slopes
1: partly because of the fact that it's an avatar because it's an avatar you're not bound to you know to to biology so you can have much like you know there's a lot of criticism of the the barbie dolls of the world um we'll leave the we'll leave the ethnicity piece of that aside for one second but when they talk about like you know um Body image and things like that, and what what that what that means to girls when they when all they see in the stores is is a Barbie doll, um, some black Barbie dolls out there that's kind of nice, but 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 still even still with with impossibly long legs, where it's where it's like there was some article somewhere that talked about how like actually if that person was alive and and people (laughs) and some people have done like surgeries to to make themselves into Barbie dolls, but actually Uh, if you tried to. Structurally, like their spine wouldn't wouldn't actually hold them up, and that kind of thing, uh, or they wouldn't be able to swallow because the neck is too thin, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so suddenly, if you're in this avatar to where it looks hyper realistic, I mean, everyone knows that a Barbie doll is a Barbie is a doll. I
0: mean, hyper realistic.
1: But if suddenly, if you have an avatar that's that's photorealistic, that's and being superimposed with actual living extant human beings, you know, what does that mean for? Um, for, 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 you know, you've got two daughters. I've got a daughter. What, what does that mean for, for, for our children and, and for the future? Uh, I am excited on one hand. Like it's a, it's a weird thing. Right. Because it's I'm, exciting. I'm, it's exciting. For because, sure. First of all, it's an incredible technology. A, right. Um, also it's an incredible thing. You know, it's nice that it was a, a very, you know, there's colorism too. You know, it was nice that it was a deep, deep, like espresso, you know, skinned woman, you know, being rendered. Yes. But, but the fact that, that it was in some cases, you know, maybe he gets a merit badge for being inclusive by, by making an avatar of a black person. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of odd that the creator isn't black because then that speaks to all kinds of things because, you know, okay, you're the puppeteer and, and dance for me. You
0: know? And there can be a lot of puppeteers in the world because again, the technology is unbelievable at the moment. I said already that we're going to put a link in the show notes. If you are listening to this podcast, your homework is to watch that episode. We ask you not to listen to another episode of this podcast until you watch that episode. It's that significant because when I say the slipperiest of slippery slopes,
1: it is in fact the slipperiest of slippery slopes. And, what, and, that, and actually, that's, I guess you've given me my homework too. Afterwards, we'll talk about an article, a couple of a series of articles that talk about you know, sort of the the science fiction piece of AI where they talk about like AI is becoming self-aware and there was a, a couple of articles that talk about that and you know what what happens when that happens and how it might happen It's a very it was a very interesting thing actually uh, a, a friend of mine had given this to me a couple of years ago and when I read it I actually couldn't sleep because I was like oh that sounds ridiculously plausible mm-hmm. so 68 just, degrees 68 degrees makes me feel like for just a hot 2nd mm-hmm like, I'm back east, you know, like the, like I'm maybe somewhere, maybe I'm back in, in D.C. or something like that, because um, it doesn't get super cold there. It gets.
0: And I don't have extended experience living on the East Coast. I mean, I've been to the East Coast several times, but have never lived on the East Coast.
1: Oh, it gets really cold there, and and, and it's one of those funny things to wear, you know, all my East Coast clothing all went into a Tupperware cup, a weather whim, came back to California. And it's actually really funny, because last year, um, I was... Uh, casting my ballot so be sure to vote be sure to register to vote you know in terms of making sure that our future is preserved yes the i post a picture on instagram me wearing um sort of this fleece vest and and it was it was chilly it was maybe yeah 67 67 degrees (laughs) it was chilly and my east coast friends were like dude what are you doing how are you how do you even have this the sky is blue behind you Sky is black. That's right. But the sky was blue behind me in the picture. And, he's, and they're like, "What are you wearing that vest for? You're, 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 you've forgotten everything." I'm like, "No, I'm I'm a weather whip now. My blood is thinned out completely." And um, and so yeah. So occasionally I have to dig out my my East Coast clothing. And um, you know, one of the funny things is I, I think about the East Coast. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about what's happening um, you know, there in D.C. at the National Cathedral? Um, you know, they had. You know, the National Cathedral is honoring. You know, it's, it's sort of a non-denominational sort of deal, honoring uh, the, the whole country.
0: It is a very big thing that they're doing. Yes. Yeah,
1: they. You know, back in 2017, they took down their stained glass uh, pieces that were, you know, themed with you know Confederate Confederate themes, which weren't about the United States of America, the people who were trying to not have the United States of America. Or very much a part of the United States of America, depending on one's point of view. And so they have announced that artist Carrie James Marshall is going to replace those, uh, those stained glass windows with ones with more of a racial uh, justice theme. And I think that's really exciting because, you know, as a place, you know, whenever there's been a moment of, of mourning or when, you know, when notable leaders have, have passed or when we need to have, you know, like prayer breakfasts and things like that, they're all at the National Cathedral meant to be a gathering place, a solemn place for all of us. And and, and, the, and the idea that it's going to now for the future, future facing conversations. That's right. That it's going to show racial justice and show that we are becoming I've said this before I always my favorite word in the in our country's name is the word united that we're coming ever more united ever more together no matter what the pundits say and having that depicted in stained glass I think is so powerful and I really um, am excited you know for uh, artist Carrie James Marshall
0: Now let me ask you this you being an artist if you were commissioned with that task what kind of images would you put on the stained glass would you have Biblical scenes?
1: It would be, I'd touch on some biblical themes, but I'd also have it be contemporary characters. You know, one of the things that you read in the Bible, it's like, you know, there's like a quote, and I'm not a chapter and verse person, so I know I'm going to get this not perfectly, but it's something to the effect of, you know, what you do to the least among you. You have done unto me. You've done unto me. And... And so it would be something that would be along those themes, you know, how, you know, when you look at where America has been, where it is now, where it's going, you want to look at what's happening to those who are, you know, quote, the least unquote, um, among, among them. Yes. And, and, you know, and that goes back to something else I've always, I, I've continued to pe- perseverate about is that, you know, I talk about, you know, why, Dear reader, if you're not of African descent, why should you care about what happens to the black community here in America? And I've said many times that th- what happens, both for positive and negative, has an outsized impact that we punch above our weight class. Pound for pound. And so the whole thing of being able to speak to that and say, hey, here's what we should be doing for the least among us, whether it's whether it's by ethnicity or orientation or, or, or where you've come from, you know, All those things, and the idea that you know, biblically, that the idea is to lift them up and to lift them up, and so that would be my theme. I'm a forward-future, a future-facing, forward-facing person, and so to me, it would be that it would be a future-facing, forward-facing theme of taking people who are quote-unquote the least and lifting them up and using um, the grace that we've all been given by our creator, amen, to lift up. All those people, which also would have sort of these echoes of lift every voice. But, I mean, that's, that's where I would go in stained glass.
0: James Welton Johnson.
1: That's where I would go with it.
0: Now, let me ask you this. How would you handle the depictions of Christ if there were any? Would he have dreadlocks, a Kaepernick afro? Would he have braids? How would you handle the depictions of Christ knowing what we know is authentic to the time period?
1: You know, I would I'd probably stick, you know, if I had a a, a depiction of, of him there, I'd stick to to the facts because the fact is is that Jesus Christ was a Middle Eastern Jewish man. Amen. And so we can all sort of, you know, immediately picture what, you know, a indigenously Middle Eastern person more or less looks like. And so it would be that. Because I wouldn't necessarily necessarily. I personally, if I am the artist, oh, here comes the helicopter. Here, here he is talking about religion. Here Uh-oh. comes, Uh-oh. here comes the helicopter. <laughs> they're, they're, com- they're coming for me.
0: It's the helicopter or the drone copter.
1: Only I only hear one rotor, so it's just that, that they're kind of like looking around. If we see like a, a red dot back here on the tech deck, that's when we need to duck.
0: And speaking of drones, I know Cornell West has recently made some comments about the injustices of drone attacks. Um, we will put a link to that in the show notes it's something worth considering as you were
1: well yeah you would draw attacks all that stuff you know the future when we think about the future in a a negative light you know the future of warfare i think the ongoing dehumanization of warfare has always made these things made it much easier to, to kill people and you know not that you want to have sort of like we were talking at some point prior, you know, about, like, Game of Thrones and stuff. Not that you want to get back to, the, to, like, you know, maces and big swords and, like, just bashing each other to death. Violence? Not my thing. But... But, I mean, but at least you quite literally had some skin in the game. I mean, you... You know, if you're going up and you... You better be pretty motivated if you're gonna go after some dude with a big...
0: Oh, yeah. You gotta be in it to win it.
1: Not kind of casually saying, oh, we'll just launch an airstrike. You know, you, you are in it. Um, and now when you could just go send essentially a robot to go and kill somebody then you don't have as much skin in the game and i think you know i believe that there should be some sort of convention about that i'm not i'm not not well versed enough to to feel super strongly about it but i mean I Let's I let's make it an
0: expo and convention
1: Come come, look, come <laughs> look at, you can have your little booth and say, here's the drone that's going to come and kill you when you act up, when you start talking about having, you know, a naturalistic looking Jesus in stained glass. Here's the drone that's going to come and blow you up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you can also put a, a, a scene of Jesus being on the run when he goes to Egypt for an unspecified amount of time. Freedom on the run, justice on the run when he's running away from Herod who kills all the children in the area.
1: Yeah, you could do that. I mean, for me it would be something that would be looking towards the future. Mm-hmm. That's just my 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 personal POV and I would have him you know, if I were to have him depicted, it would be a very indigenous Middle Eastern Jewish man cuz that's who he was. Yes. And and it would be one lifting up all of the the people who you know at the time of the commissioning of the art Mm -hmm. are more marginalized uh in in, here in america for the national cathedral but i'm excited i i'm excited about this piece being done and i think that it is a real it it continues to help bring us all together and especially when you're going to have a sacred place will. hopefully it will there's always going to be the haters but there
0: will be haters
1: and they'll hate whatever it is i mean
0: haters gonna hate
1: but the idea of it representing our our highest and best selves. I mean, when 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 religion is is working properly, in my opinion, it's always drawing us to be our highest and best selves. Amen. And so to me, being able in terms of what you're depicting in the in the stained glass, which you're depicting in the artwork, the sculpture, by the way, shout out to, to Elie Wiesel. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, I've actually read the books as opposed to really spoken much.
0: As have I. So that's, uh, I'm glad you've taken over the name-butchering duties from me.
1: I actually don't mind, you know, if it's something I'm reading, it means I'm reading. And reading is good. Reading is fundamental.
0: Book learning counts.
1: So Elie Wiesel is being also honored at the National Cathedral. They're doing a sculpture um, in, in his likeness. And um, another helicopter. They're really after mm-hmm. me now. Mm-hmm. They really they're, they're, are. They're coming. <laughs> it's like it's like he's mm-hmm. he's messed with Jesus, and he's got like you know this and that. You know they are really. Well,
0: they say the the truth hurts. In this case, it looks like the truth kills.
1: Well, hopefully, we'll see if the tech deck is still here. If there's a if there's a big crater and a, and a kaboom on the podcast, you know what happened. Uh, so someone come, come get us, come save us. So
0: note to self, underground tech deck.
1: (laughs) We'll, we'll have to like have a bunker. Commence immediately. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To the bunker, the the tech bunker. But Ely Wiesel is being honored, uh, there at the cathedral, uh, for, for all the, all the activism that he's done for equality and making sure that, that the kind of hate that he Mm -hmm. was, witness to and that he gave testimony about.
0: And we must never see again.
1: And must never ever see again. The future that we all want. Amen. The future that we all want to make it to. Yes. Can't have that there. And so I'm happy to see him honored uh, honored in that. And then just talking about stained glass for another second or two um, you know one of the other things that is is really great is there's this artist that I came across as I was kind of looking into this whole thing uh, and her name is M- Maleen, uh Barnett and she's a multidisciplinary artist and and I came across her because I was I've always been fascinated by stained glass and stuff like that because she is doing some projects with uh, the Judson Studios which are here in Southern California they're over a hundred years old and she was doing all kinds of cool stuff in fused glass and her work if you look at it is is really it's really fascinating uh, it's' It's lots of sculptures, and she, you know, she shows off uh, her African heritage, but also, you know, showing a, a global global perspective. And and it was really, I mean, I've had a chance to to look at her work. I mean, it's been featured in New York Magazine and L and T V and just it was just incredible stuff. And so nice. it was neat to, as I was kind of going down the path of stained glass and looking at different things, and I came across across her work. And you know, shout out, shout out to her because I mean, um, Maeline, you know, we think that you're doing, you're doing some good stuff. I really enjoyed her her sculptures that she was doing in clay with figures that,
0: and I and I love sculpture too. I mean, I I, I love all forms of art, but I absolutely love sculpture. So I, I I can't wait to really study her work.
1: Yeah, it was really really terrific. And I I hope that once we're able to have more in person shows and exhibits, I w- I look forward to getting a chance to see that. Um, she also is uh, the founder of the Black Artists and Designers Guild, which is a global platform and curated collective of independent Black artists, makers, and designers. I appreciate the fact that she's also an activist, not just an artist, kind of working in isolation.
0: And that was the Black Artists and Designers Guild.
1: Yes, the Black Artists and Designers Guild.
0: We'll have we'll have the the link in the show notes. We'll have the
1: link in the show notes. And I think, and, and I'll admit, I have I have a I have a background in, in, in arts. An artist. Um, uh, I don't know about all that, but I'm, I, have a, I have a strong affinity for the arts, and part of it is that it's truly a way of expressing what what what's going on in your soul.
0: Absolutely, art to me is a tangible and sometimes tactile manifestation of the soul.
1: And then art also not only is an expression of your soul, but it allows you to touch other souls. And as we think about the future and as we think about how, once again, the outsized impact that, that, that our little 13% has on the larger culture and the larger, you know, the, the larger society.
0: Pound for pound.
1: You know, I just think about that and how it's expressed in art. And we could spend multiple episodes. We could spend the rest of the next decade talking about that. The rest of that. our
0: lives. And that is a worthy way to spend the rest of our lives is in the, in the celebration and the production of the very art that you're speaking
1: to you know and but i also think about like the impact that it has you know i'll admit that i have these glasses on special glasses as a parent to to how it impacts you know children and what they see and them being able to see themselves in the art absolutely and you know one of the, one book that really struck me was this book one book that really struck me was this book called parker looks up and parker looks up it's uh, by Parker Curry and Jessica Curry, and it's illustrated by Brittany Jackson. And it's a great book, and I've read it to my son and my daughter. That's so, right. you know, black dad, hashtag black dad, hashtag black girl dad. Yes. But what's great about this book is it talks about the experience of, of this little girl, Parker Curry, as she goes to the National Portrait Gallery and sees the portrait of Michelle Obama that, that was done by Amy Sherald. And, you know, we... You hear a lot of people talk about the wonderful, amazing um, piece of on Barack Obama, but this one talks about the. Check uh, out his
0: work at the Huntington Museum in Pasadena, California.
1: Right. Yeah, and the, and they've been at the Skirball. They've, I mean, that that though, his work is being you know toured around the country, and this portrait of Michelle, you know, by Amy Sherald. Is, is a beautiful piece and it talks about how this little girl is going through the the portrait gallery and she sees you know the ballerinas and 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 such and then misty copeland but then but they, she doesn't necessarily see herself in them i mean and then she comes across this portrait of michelle obama and so the, the protagonist is a little black girl and suddenly, she sees herself in a different light, in a more expanded mm-hmm. light, a light that is full of ever more possibilities. Yes, love and, it. And and the impact that it makes um, on her and then on her younger sister in the book, to me, just speaks to the the, the immense level of impact art has, and making sure that there is complete representation yes. in the art world. Um, in terms of people creating it and who curates it. Because for the portraits of Michelle and uh, Barack Obama, that was the first time that the National Portrait Gallery had commissioned a Black artist, two artists, to do anything. And so to me, that is part of what brings us more united, brings us closer to the future. And I've said this before, you know, we talk frequently about how we're on the road to Wakanda. Wakanda Road. But the best thing, dear listener, dearest listener, okay. listener, even if you're not black, when we get to Wakanda, you get to come along. And so so it's something that that brings us all forward, that brings us all together. And and the vision, visual arts, but the vision of being able to see that, and then for children to be able to see themselves and see themselves sort of in that same sort of exalted space as these other fantastic paintings that are there at the Portrait Gallery. It's critical. It um, made a big impact on this girl, and it was really a fun story. And we we have books in rotation here uh, at the Anderson household. And so this is a book that's frequently in rotation. I had to go into my, my daughter's room to go grab the book to show it to you. But, I mean, once again, it's Parker Looks Up by Parker Curry and Jessica Curry, illustrated by Brittany Jackson. And uh, Brittany did a great job of – Reflecting all these books and reflecting the, the characters, and she, she does a fantastic job.
0: And I love the fact that my daughters were born in the Obama presidency. So that, that representation, whether it's in the visual arts or in politics or in education or in media or wherever it is, has an impact.
1: And it's not like there hasn't been a presence of the black community in a lot of these spaces because they're to a greater or lesser extent, depending on which specific silo you're talking about. There has been
0: from the very beginning and yet before America we were,
1: and yet part of it also has to do with the curation. You know, who does the editing who decides which artists will be commissioned for painting X. Who decides, you know, which pieces are the, quote, significant pieces to be shown at a museum? You know, who decides? And so not only having more black artists, there have always been black artists, but have black curators, black registrars, black archivists, having people in all those spaces.
0: I'm not sure if you heard, but the Guggenheim Museum has just brought on its second ever black female
1: trustee. Right, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, So her
0: name is Claudia Rankin. Um, So big ups to you, Claudia. Congratulations on your appointment. Um, We trust that you're going to do great work.
1: I love the Guggenheim.
0: I do love the Guggenheim. We haven't been to the Met Gala yet, but I'm sure there will be a Skies Black appearance sometime, I would say, maybe 23, 2023 perhaps.
1: And when we go... I'm going to look marvelous. Marvelous. Yes. Darling, I'm going to look marvelous. My wife will look more marvelous. She's always looking more fantastic than I do. But but I'm going to look terrific. I'm going to rock whatever I've got.
0: Yeah, well, we'll certainly have some sort of Wakanda theme going there, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm not sure what it'll be. Matter of fact, Black Panther 2 will probably have come out by the time we actually go to the Met Gala. So if we're doing, I'm a, looking forward to
1: that. You know, when we talk about museums and things, you know, one of the scenes that I know is one of your favorites is is that scene where it was in London, I guess, and in the museum. Yeah, my
0: favorite scene by
1: far. And and that I mean, talk about like a profound, a profound moment where you know the the curator is like, oh yes, and here are these pieces from X Y Z country, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, well, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Right, so that actually is from Wakanda, and that is vibranium. She doesn't know what he's talking about.
1: Exactly, and and so the the notion that having part of us moving ahead to the future is not only um, moving forward, but also making sure that we identify and claim our past, reclaim our past, and to me that was one of the great, one of the best scenes in the in the movie. I mean, I'll admit that the most I'm almost moving to me. I'll still say, I mean, there's some people who are team Killmonger. I'm, a t- I'm still team uh, T'Challa. As am I. And yet, you know, that was one of my favorite scenes. Not my most favorite scene, but it well, was. It was, the, my-
0: it was the most moving scene to me because I related to it so much. I mean, the idea that our cultural artistic artifacts are spread around the world outside of the motherland is crazy and we're not talking about just a few pieces here and there we're talking probably over a hundred thousand pieces of African art spread across Belgium France England Spain Portugal the Netherlands Denmark and various other places all those things need to be returned to the motherland period end of story full stop no negotiation whatsoever those things need to be returned
1: I'm going to disagree with you
0: no, there is no disagreement I'm on that. Disagree Those things need to be returned unless they were purchased lawfully. Anything that was looted and stolen has to be returned to its place of origin. Period. End of story.
1: My mild disagreement with you, okay, very mild, is that they all need to be acknowledged in terms of who has the ownership. Because I think that there's some value in other cultures being able to see those cultures and those artifacts, and I think that those they can, pieces, go, they can go to
0: Benin, they can go to Nigeria, they can go to Ethiopia, they can go to Egypt, they can go to South Africa, they can go to Malawi, they can go to Cameroon, they can but go to Senegal. Every,
1: but, but not everyone can. And, uh, but
0: not everybody can necessarily go to France, England, Spain, Portugal, and those other places either. So, I mean, if you're going to, but if those things are going to be housed, they should be housed with the owners.
1: And yet, and yet. <laughs> and yet i think i think there's some value in in exposing uh, there's a value to me in the cross pollination there's a value to me in the exposition of other cultures to other cultures that and, is true and that's and, the, and
0: that's the purpose of museums and, and and those kinds of spaces and so while but it's not it shouldn't be a a place for stolen art stolen artifacts
1: and so while I'm not against the repatriation of, of the artifacts, I am, so, so to your point, I am in favor of that, to be clear. And yet, I think perhaps sort of how you thread the needle on that is that you say, much like when you go to a museum now, you know, you'll see, you know, piece XYZ part of, you know, Joe so-and-so's collection. Mm-hmm. And so, rather than saying that, you know, this piece is part of the British Museum's collection, you say, well, this piece is actually property of the sovereign nation of Ghana. Right, and And, it's
0: the sovereign nation of Ghana that should be able to decide how those things should be housed, described.
1: And they can negotiate that. I'm not saying saying you don't negotiate that. No negotiation to me. In terms of like maybe you 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 maybe there is some compensation and say we're gonna have this on a 99 year lease for X amount of money
0: no negotiation
1: and maybe I mean I think there's some value in having those artifacts be visible to those cultures
0: I think they should be visible but it can be done in a different kind of way it could be as it's a traveling exhibit and it's like okay Ghana or Senegal or Ethiopia or Egypt or whatever it is we're taking our art on the road and so it will be a traveling exhibit in France or England or Spain or Portugal or wherever they want to take them but they are still owned by the
1: sovereign nation from which they were produced and, and I agree and so, I think that I think that the ownership of those artifacts should be restored to their rightful owners
0: and I think they should be housed in the nations where they came from and so that, I mean, to me I mean to me that is a total non-negotiable thing. They need to have them and then they can decide how they want to share them.
1: I'll, 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 I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. I think that, you know, because I think that it's important for these institutions to acknowledge that these artifacts were taken without compensation, that they were looted.
0: So I need more than we are sorry. We acknowledge that they were sort of taken unjustly. The last step and the only acceptable step is those things need to be returned. Period. End of story. No negotiation whatsoever to me, the thieves don't get to decide the terms in which they return their stolen artifacts. I'm not going to argue against that.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to argue against that. I think that how that plays out in reality mm-hmm. is, I mean, in, in, in my perfect world, you would have their, these various institutions would then stand up their, their, their sister institutions, their satellite institutions, in the places that they took the artwork from, so that way there is a place to repatriate them to. Uh, and, I mean, because part of the challenge is that there's not always a, a place to repatriate them to. I know Benin is working on um, something. i Well, I'll take that back. I'm not sure if it's
0: in Nigeria or Benin, because the ancient city of Benin is actually in current day Nigeria. Nigeria. Um, so one of those places, I know, is working on that very thing, a, a place to house... Stolen and returned artifacts. I know that there was a uh, article in the New York Times a couple years ago, or maybe not even a couple of years, maybe within the last year. I'll find that. We'll put a link to that in the in the show notes too.
1: But looking to the future, I mean that that would that would be the future. Would be for the ownership to go back to the to the people that it belongs to. And you and you've seen this with Egypt. And, and Egypt the ownership did, Egypt is not even this. negotiable. Yes, I mean Egypt did this to where they said, "Hey, we want these things back," and part of the challenge there is that there's some instability there. And so you have, you know, the art, the, the artifacts become at risk. We have to, as a society, be willing to accept that risk, but also. But at the
0: same time, again, the, those who have taken the things don't get to decide the terms of the return. Their only job is to say, I'm sorry, here's the stuff back. And so if it, if the, if the people take it back and say, you know, I'm going to throw it in the garbage, that is their right to do so. Yes. It is not someone else's position to say what is going to be done with something that they stole.
1: You're right. Yes,
0: I agree. And and I'm thankful too that there have been more cases recently of things being returned. France is returning some things to Benin now. Macron had a statement about that just the other day, so I'm I'm thankful. Of, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm thankful about that. I know a couple of years ago, Italy returned an obelisk to Ethiopia that was taken. Yes. And I, that was a massive undertaking because the obelisks... Huge. Uh, I don't know how many tons they are, but they're massive. And so just, A, to be able to steal one of those requires some... Effort. Effort. And to return it also required some serious effort too. And, and it took a while for them actually to, to re-erect the obelisk as well too, because it was so so large.
1: Well, yeah, those things are incredible. But I mean, I guess my point is, is that I think that... In in a perfect world, you, there would be institutions sponsored. Perhaps, perhaps that's their way of, of of saying they're sorry, more so than just a press release.
0: As uh, as long as the items are going back, I'm good.
1: And then I would send them back out on tour,
0: and, that, right, and then send them back out on tour. Yes, that is the answer.
1: Because I mean, because to me, I I think that there is a loss to our our global society. Yes, if there is. Everybody whether you're talking about black artifacts asian artifacts whatever if if all of a sudden everyone took their took their stuff back and say okay i'm going to take my ball and go home and just keep it here at home um and i think that that then reduces the cross-pollination reduces the opportunity for understanding reduces the opportunity for us to learn and to have compassion for each other absolutely and so
0: so yes i agree agree
1: 100% repatriate yes,
0: yes. non-negotiable Re- yes
1: restore the ownership yes, yes. And yet then have the institutions there on premise, you know, in the countries where they, are, where they came from, Yes, and then also send them back out.
0: Yes, if they choose to send them back out. People will go to France just to go to the Louvre. People will go to New York City just to go to the Met. People will go to Egypt just to go to see, you know, pyramids and other ancient sites. And so I think it's legitimate to say, okay, I'm going to go to South Africa so I can go see the South African art. I'm going to go to Benin so I could see yes. the art from Benin. So, yes, I think it's great if they decide to take it out on the road. If um, they decide. If they decide to take it out on the road. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I'm also not saying that all African art should be returned to the motherland. I'm only speaking to things that were stolen. stolen right? Things that were stolen. And so if people sort of buy art or commission art, obviously that's no big deal. But theft cannot be tolerated. Non-negotiable. Those things have to come back. And, again, we're talking about a staggering number of artifacts that are scattered around the world i'm sure it's over a hundred thousand i've read figures in that amount before
1: yeah i think that's i've I've seen something similar
0: reminds me too this whole thing of repatriation and returning that which was stolen and looted there's been a brother in i think england or france who's been going to museums and really making this very point, saying, okay, this does not belong to you. This needs to leave. This needs to leave. Hold on, I will find his name. I'm sure the name butcherer will mess this up. Um, his name is Wazulu Diabanza. Wazulu Diabanza. And he's been doing this in France. He's from uh, the Congo and has been in France for 20 years or so, but he's been really sort of making this point. Publicly on social media, saying this does not belong to you. This needs to be returned, and I agree with him one thousand percent.
1: I think it's also great to celebrate some of the artists that are in the various countries, part yes. of the part of the broader um, African diaspora. One thing you brought me to was the these British artists who are like envisioning yes. This, yes. this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was an incredible exhi- exhibition that's happening. Um, where is it? It's um.
0: It's an outdoor exhibit on a, on the like streets. It's like on the it's, street, like Times Square. Yeah,
1: it makes the place look like Times Square. This is it's an incredible exhibition where the pieces are being not sure if they're being displayed or projected, but they're there on the facades of the building.
0: It's on Oxford Street in London. Right, so, right, right. to those of you who are listening in London, Oxford Street, the exhibit has just started, which is great. Super exciting.
1: And, and really, the idea is to tell stories. I mean, all art, you know, has a point of view. And in this case, they're they're telling stories. They're telling histories of themselves and those around them. And they're doing it um, in in these incredibly vibrant and visual ways. And and to me, you know, just being able to do it not inside the, the hollowed walls of a museum, but to also bring it out to the streets. That way, you're you're commuting. I, mean, I love. One of the great things about being here in Southern California is I taking love
0: taking it to the streets.
1: <laughs> I'm not, not going to mess up that song. I'm, no, no one's going to pay me to sing, and I am not going to mess up that song.
0: Taking it to the
1: streets. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, and, but I mean, but the idea of of being able to have that, you know, there's a strong tradition here in in, in Los Angeles for of street art murals, but taking the idea of of artwork and taking it out of the hollowed halls of museums. Mm-hmm. Which have their place, absolutely. But then also making it to where everyone sees it, towards out there, towards public, and not only does that then bring it bring it out, you know, and, and with a small d democratize it, but it also it just makes for a nicer, a, a a a more interesting experience as you're you know walking from one subway stop to the next, or as you're as you're living your daily life to have that life enriched by the presence of that art
0: and when you talk about public spaces I want to give a shout out to to Brian Lee who is an architect who has started a platform called Colloquate it is beyond fabulous let me tell you where the name Colloquate comes from it's a little mashup of different words so the mission of colloquate is the language of the built environment tells a complex story of place that can either speak to our collective values and ideals or reveal persisting inequality and injustice
1: and architecture is art i mean that's one that's one thing that, that it's easy to overlook but architecture is a form of expression and your architecture expresses your point of view and often your architecture is trying to dare I say, impose a point of view on you as you go into a building, as you interact with a building, you know, it is expressing itself essentially kind of on you.
0: So it's colloquate, C-O-L-L. Let me do that again. C-O-L-L-O-Q-A-T-E. And let me say, let me share where that word comes from. So as I said earlier, that it's a mashup. So it is a combination of colloquial, locate, and collocate. And so those three words together, they have termed colloquate. And so colloquial, as we know, is an adjective that it means ordinary or informal. Locate, obviously, is a specific space. And then collocate is to is something that is habitually juxtaposed with another at a frequency greater than chance. Let me say that again. Colloquate. Collocate. Habitually juxtaposed with another at a frequency greater than chance. And so, putting these things together, they have come up with colloquy. So, I love what he is doing.
1: I like it too. And one of the things they, they talk about is this whole notion of form follows fiction. And when we talk about Afrofuturism, we talk about mm-hmm. remembering where we're going. Yes. We have the, the sort of this, this back and forth, this interplay between. Things that have happened and where we're going. And also, speaking about Afrofuturism, we talk about the road to Wakanda, but that's fiction. And then having fiction drive the future, having fiction drive reality. And one of the phrases that I thought was really struck me when they were describing this was that memory is the gateway to potential. And
0: I believe that they're based in New Orleans, which is your backyard, so to speak, indirectly.
1: Indirectly. I mean, I'm one of those people, we were talking about religion earlier and I think that's, I'm like someone who married into the religion of New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Mm. Uh, my wife is from there and you know that whole area you know, once again, thinking about the future I think New Orleans represents the future in many, in many regards.
0: We talk about being on the road to Wakanda.
1: The road to Wakanda.
0: Wakanda Road. One of the off-ramps might be in Senegal. I'm sure most of the people who are listening to this podcast right now are already familiar with Akon City. Um, but if you are not familiar with Akon City, it is worth checking out. You can go to akoncity.com. That is A-K-O-N-C-I-T-Y.com. It is a future development by the Senegalese musician, Akon. We all know Akon and know his music. Great stuff. Um, but he is raising money to build what he is calling Akon City. And just as a quick aside, too, I showed the video. We'll put a, a link to his sort of promo video for the, for the city in the show notes. But I showed it to my daughters last night. My daughter, Addison, was adamant in saying after seeing the video, he has to do that there 's no doubt about it. he must do that he must do that, and then she got her sister evan evan on, and she was like, "Oh yes, I can go with that
1: that works that works for me well, the renderings are incredible. I mean you look at and you see the plans for Acon City and it 's just incredible it is the future, and it 's exactly what you would expect it to be it's 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 organic it's something that is not trying to be apart from nature that's trying to be together with it live in harmony with it where the the living spaces and the working spaces are meant to be allowing for indoor outdoor living uh very organic and as we've all learned from this pandemic you know being of course, during the pandemic, you need to be away from other people and boxed in. But in terms of how we all interact with each other, like us here on the Tech Deck, it's good to be outside. It's good to have the indoors and outdoors for there to be good ventilation, for there to be good circulation, both in terms of the air, but also in terms of people. And his designs very much play into that. And, and I can't wait to see, to see it actually get underway.
0: Let us keep pushing toward the vision that we all share in our souls.
1: And what's funny is it goes back to what's old is new again. I mean, here in Southern California, there's a long history of craftsmen houses and things like that. And they had these large open air porches. And part of that was partly because there was a pandemic back then when these houses were built in the 19, early, um 1918, 1920, 1920s. But the, also the idea of being able to have air and to be able to, to be Able to interact with the outdoors, to have fresh air come in, and so to have a modern twist on this, Acon City, I think it'll be a model for urban development and urban planning for everyone in the world.
0: Let's hope so. We are rooting for it, cheering for it. We will do our part to make it happen. Build it. So, calling on the worldwide Pan African design community Let's to get it. on board, make it come to pass.
1: We all talk about being on the road to Wakanda. Wakanda Road. And I got teased. I got teased for calling it Wakanda, Wakanda, Wakanda. Uh, Frankly, I was reading the name in the comic books. I'm a comic book nerd. And I was reading it as in my mind as Wakanda. Uh, Now it's going to get all blurry for me as I become self-conscious about it. You know, tomato, tomato.
0: Let's call the whole thing off.
1: Let's call the whole thing on. Let's call the whole thing on. Build that city, Akon City. Let's build it. And you know as we talk about the road to, uh, to Wakanda Wakanda road what it will look like as we go is that things will get built and as and to me Wakanda can be everywhere can be all the places for all of us
0: i know Wakanda is right here on this technic.
1: it is so this is a little piece of it, even though I want to I live in that building, that really cool-looking building there in Econ City. So, or, or maybe have a timeshare. Maybe send me one of those timeshares. Maybe I'll sit through the 90-minute or 90-hour presentation for one of those timeshares and be there. But because right there, it's beautiful. It's, it's on the Atlantic coast, you know, um, where the site's going to be. And for those of you who, who think that Africa is just one country, Senegal is one country. With its own borders. Oh no 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 Af- no! So, Africa Africa is a country. No no no! Don't
0: S- talk to me about no Senegal. S- Africa is a country.
1: Okay okay, silly American. Let me just explain to you a couple things. Africa is not just one country, and and Senegal is one of those countries, and it's right there on the Atlantic coast. It could be
0: our ancient home. It is quite possible that you or both of us have roots in Senegal. Maybe I can get dual citizenship. Big ups or something. to Senegal.
1: Big ups to Senegal, and big ups to to Acon for for having this idea and for taking his wealth and his influence to make it a reality, not just for him, but for everyone.
0: I know he's trying to do some things in Senegal, trying to do some things in Uganda. His wife is Ethiopian. So they're trying to do some things in Ethiopia as well. And so rooting for you, brother, it is a grand vision. We share the vision and we will do our part to help you make it happen.
1: And I'll take my vacation there. Why not? Who doesn't want to go? I mean, looks like the beaches would be great. So, sign me up. Sky's
0: Black Timeshare in effect.
1: <laughs> the Sky's Black Timeshare. We'll have we'll have the Tech Beach. Don't
0: sleep. I'm all about
1: a Tech Beach. I'm. Me too. I want to. I want to go to the beach. I want. I mean, whatever. we're we're
0: guilty of being facetious about many things. The Tech Beach is serious stuff.
1: So I think I'm going to leave you all with this vision of, of, of being at the beach, whether we're talking about being in Manhattan Beach and being at Bruce's Beach or being at the beach at Icon City or, be, or anywhere overlooking the shore. Zanzibar
0: we can be along the Red Sea. We can be along the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. We can be along the Mediterranean, in Egypt, in Morocco, in Tunisia, in Libya, we can be along the coast in South Africa.
1: You can be looking, you can be looking, overlooking the Mississippi River in New Orleans. Yes, indeed. With a, with a nice Sazerac in my hand. <laughs> and and in Memphis, we want to thank you for for listening to our conversations. We are having forward-facing, future-facing conversations with with creatives, with scientists, with artists. Where we want to acknowledge and shout out to anyone if you have ideas, if you have people that we need to be aware of yes we want to highlight we want to celebrate let us know let us know you know sky is black is a is a platform for forward-facing conversations it is not about you it is not about me it is about about we we all of us all of us together moving forward moving ahead remembering where we are going
0: sky is black baby
1: sky is black